It is a joy to be together around the Word. If you would, grab your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. As we look at God's Word this morning, no doubt these verses are very familiar to you and to me. Some of you have probably put these verses to memory, and they have become near and dear to your heart. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verses 16 and 17. It's also some of our men in our Ema groups, Every Man a Warrior, uh, those studies, as they memorize scripture, this was one of them. And so we're going to ask every man right now to stand up and, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but this, uh, this scripture is, is powerful as we uh, see the Apostle Paul continue uh, to write this letter to his young son in the faith, Timothy to stand firm on the Word of God. Follow along as I read. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me pray for our time this morning. Father, you are God Almighty. Thank you that you are here with us this morning. You are omnipresent. You are all-powerful. There is no one like you, Lord. You are the creator of all things. You are in control over all things. Father, what an amazing truth this morning that you, God Almighty, have spoken to us through your word. You have revealed yourself through holy scriptures. So come and speak to us this morning. Preach to us this morning. Father, may you receive all the glory and honor that you deserve. Father, not only does your word bring new life to those who put their faith and trust in Christ alone. But Father, you sanctify our lives. You make us more holy and more pure like yourself. And you will do that until we see you in glory. Father, at times you even bring hardship and suffering into our lives so that you would be glorified as you change and transform us into the likeness of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, you are trustworthy, you are faithful, and you are good in everything that you do. So come now, and as we open up your word, remind us that your word transforms our thinking, your word transforms our hearts. Father, it should not be the other way around. We do not read your word with our opinions and our thoughts. We tether, submit, lay down our rights this morning to the authority and the sufficiency of your word. So lead us and guide us now. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The title of the sermon this morning is The All-Sufficient Word of God. 
the all-sufficient Word of God. The Scripture says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our Lord stands or lasts forever. Is that encouragement to you this morning? Many people have come and gone throughout history, right? And yet God's Word stands. This is not an antiquated book. It's not something we should leave on our shelves accumulating dust. This is the Word of God that speaks into our very life and it lasts forever. It was also quoted by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. And then Peter adds to it. He says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. God's word that lasts forever is the good news that brings salvation. And it was preached to you. And we know that the word of God will never return void. In Isaiah 55, 11, it will always accomplish the purpose that God has set forth in his word. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11 say this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Ah, so good. God's word will last forever. And God says, as I breathe out my word through the holy scriptures that we have, all of my purposes will come about. I will succeed in everything I purpose to do. Is that your God this morning? It's the God of the Bible, the God of the Word. And now we are a part of this life called as His children, sons and daughters of the King to now follow in humble obedience after Him and His Word that He's given to us. We've been going through the Word, First and Second Timothy as a church family together. A way of, as a way of reminder, let me remind you that both of these letters were written by the Apostle Paul to young Timothy a young pastor, Paul was writing instructions on how people were to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of what? Truth. Of truth. The church is a house of God that speaks truth because God has given us His truth in His Word. We know that false teachers were infiltrating the church and upsetting the faith of some. Conscious, conscious of his imminent execution, the Apostle Paul prepares Timothy to face the future in his absence. When someone knows his time of departure is near to go home with the Lord, he will speak boldly with precision, clarity, and conviction. He warns of perilous times to come. We saw in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. And then he foretells of many who will increasingly deny the power of godliness. 
resulting in a departure from the truth that is in Christ Jesus. We even read this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. That's what we're going to see more and more and more in these last days. He reminds Timothy of what has been imparted to him by way of doctrine, conduct, and purpose. He says, follow me, Timothy, as I follow Christ. Look at my life, my sufferings, my persecutions. Look how I was faithful to the end. And we'll see in chapter 4 where Paul says, I have run the course, right? I have followed the Lord faithfully. And now there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, which the righteous judge will give to me when I see him face to face. That's a good, good thing for us to be keeping our eyes and our hearts and our minds focused on as believers. He speaks of imposters and deceivers who will wreak havoc in the lives of whom they deceive. These false teachers will go on from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. We've heard a lot about these false teachers, haven't we? And those who listen to them. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 and 19, it talks about this, this irreverent babble led to more and more, what? Ungodliness. False teaching leads to more ungodliness. What we're going to see this morning is biblical sound doctrine leads to pure, holy living, changed, transformed lives. False teaching, more ungodliness, more lies, more deception. Sound doctrine, sound teaching, purity of Christ's church, people walking in the Spirit because of the Word of God affecting our everyday lives, affecting our thinking, how we treat one another, We're being more gracious, more forgiving. But this irreverent babble led to more and more ungodliness. And these men had swerved away from the truth. And their lives showed that they were not truly born again. In verse 23 of chapter 2, we are told to have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Because these things breed quarrels. So what was happening in the church, inevitably... Because of this false teaching. Fighting. James 4 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not the passions that war within? You have. You fight. And yet this is what this false teaching was producing. Quarrels. Now let me highlight for a moment as we are in 2 Timothy this morning. In 2 Timothy we see a lot of contrast. I hope you've seen it over the past few weeks. False teaching, godly teaching. A life that is totally living in ungodliness, lies, deception, versus a man of God, Paul, and Timothy, who are now walking in godliness, not perfect, but pursuing and desiring godliness. They're walking in sound teaching, and you see the transformation of their lives. 
Just as Paul told Timothy in the church in Ephesus what false teaching is, he even told us who some of the false teachers were and what the outcome of their teaching is. He also reminds Timothy a stark contrast to false teaching and what that produces is men and women of God that are grounded in the Word of God that are being transformed by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. There's a, there should be a huge contrast between those that list in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of ungodliness versus that list that Paul shares. You've shared my conduct, my faith, my teaching. You shared this life of godliness. There should be a stark contrast between us and the world. Let's just put it that way, okay? A stark contrast. Yet what we see in, in churches today especially here in America, is churches say, no, we want to be like the world, so we attract the world in. May that never be of Rancho Baptist Church. Okay? God has called us to be bright, shining lights. We will be changed because of God's Word and because we love God's Word. We will imitate Paul, Jesus Christ. We will imitate God Almighty, because that's what a Christian is and does. A Christ follower. Those who walk in the truth will have changed lives. And those who walk in godliness will be persecuted. Didn't we see that last week? Those who want to desire and want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will suffer. You will have hardship. And things are going to get worse. Don't give up, Timothy. Stand firm. And Paul, as he is calling his young Son in the faith to stand firm. Our encouragement this morning is stand firm on the word of God. Stand firm on the faith given to you through our Savior Jesus Christ and stand firm on his word. Look at 2 Timothy with me. We're going to look at verse 14 as a way of reminder from last week and then go right into verses 16 and 17 as well. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In light of so many challenging and sobering prospects, what is Timothy to do now? How must he be equipped to confront the dark days ahead as a minister of the gospel? Well, Paul tells him, as for you, continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you've believed. You have been saved through Jesus Christ and his salvation given to you as a free gift. And Timothy is exhorted to continue. You see that word there? He says continue in these things. Continue in what you've learned. This word means to abide, remain, to, to stay in the things that you have heard and that you are assured of. Stay in the word. B.B. Warfield says this, These sacred scriptures are of the highest value for holy purposes. 
We are called as Christ's church to, to be men and women of the word, or has been, been said in the past during the days of the Puritans, to be people of the book. This is God's word given to us. Look once again at verses 16 and 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture, we'll look at verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This morning, first, we're going to see that all of Scripture is God-breathed. If you have your bulletin, you have your bulletin notes there. That's the first point. Let's go to that. All of Scripture is God-breathed. Just as a way of, if you have a different translation that says God's Word is inspired, would you draw a little line to your margin and put, means God-breathed. I think that is much stronger in, in Scripture. We have people who are inspired to write songs. We have people who are inspired today to write books. That is not what he's talking about here. These men and women just were, these men weren't inspired to write Scripture The Scripture is inspired by God. Scripture is God-breathed, and that brings about the authority of Scripture in our lives. This is a book unlike any other that you and I will pick up and read. That is huge for us this morning. The Word comes from God Almighty. He has revealed Himself to us in the Word. Other scriptures give a broader picture and depth to this God-breathed word. 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. They say this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. What's that speaking to? The mountain of transfiguration. Peter's saying we were on that mountain when we got to see the glimpse of the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We heard the word from above, God Almighty, and His majestic glory. We heard the words that said, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. Pretty powerful experience that Peter had. Would you agree? Yeah. And what does he say in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19? And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. What does the Apostle Peter say? The word that you now have, the prophetic word of God in your hands, is more than what I experienced on that mountain when I saw Jesus fully transfigured in his glory. Do you believe that this morning? This is God's word breathed out to us. That's amazing to me. Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, which Jesus quotes in Matthew 4 when he is being tempted by Satan in the desert after 40 days of fasting. And Jesus quotes Scripture because Scripture is all-powerful 
it's sufficient for life and godliness. But he quotes Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. I love this scripture. And he humbled you, God speaking of the people of Israel, he humbled you and let let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. A good question for you and I to ask, which would be pretty convicting each, each day. Today, are you going to live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord? It would do you and I wonderful things in our life if as trials come, as, as we live our everyday life here on this earth, we go, yeah, that's interesting you say that. I wonder what God's word says about that. What does God's word say about what I'm going through right now? God, you've given wisdom. You've given me everything I need in your word for life and godliness. What do you say about these things? What wisdom are you going to give me through your God-breathed word? And here we see, even in this scripture, that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture. This would refer first to the Old Testament, but by implication also the New Testament as well. Every scripture is inspired and profitable. We're going to see here shortly what is, what is scripture used for? Refuting error, rebuking sin. Scripture is true north for us and always points to what is good and pleasing to our Lord. We can run everything through Scripture and see whether it is right teaching or false teaching. That's why the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. This is your true north. You can run everything through Scripture and go, I don't know if that's right, or yeah, that's right, because God says it. Because God affirms that truth. And God is good. Scripture sets us right. It corrects us, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing that Scripture corrects us. It keeps us standing firm and and upright, even through the gales of lies in our culture. We stand firmly rooted on the Word. Our feet can rest firm on the Word of God. Turn to Romans chapter 15. Keep your finger in 2 Timothy Romans chapter 15, verse 4. But also God's word is an encouragement to us. Have you been encouraged by the word of God? I hope everyone in here could say amen to that, right? We have been encouraged by the word because the encouragement of God's word brings hope to us. That's what we see here in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The Apostle Paul, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Ah, Scripture instructs us. Scripture encourages us to keep on keeping on in the faith that has been once for all handed down to the saints through Jesus Christ. Scripture gives us hope till we see 
Christ, our Savior, in eternity, He will bring us home. Scripture, He's given us everything we need in His Word to do that. And more. And more. All Scripture is God-breathed. This term stresses the divine origin of Scripture. These aren't man's words. This is God's Word given to us. You cannot change God's Word. We cannot come to God's Word and think, oh, that was for them, but not for me. We submit ourselves in humble obedience to the Word of God. It speaks of the authority of Scripture. It is breathed out by God. This is God's divine special revelation given to us. God revealing himself to us. You ever hear a Christian say, yeah, I'm doing well with the Lord, but I'm not spending time in the Word. Then I have to go back on your first comment. That's an oxymoron. You cannot be doing well with the Lord if you are not in His Word. The Word brings life. The Word brings encouragement. The Word brings hope. How are you doing well with the Lord? How am I doing well with the Lord if I am not in the Word? We come alongside one another in the Church of Christ to encourage one another primarily to be in the Word of God. We sharpen one another. How has your time been in the Word? God's Word instructs us. We'll see the other benefits of God's Word here shortly. Paul stresses the authoritativeness of all of Scripture. The fact that these men that wrote the Word were divinely inspired means that God so moved the human authors of Scripture that their words are true, without error, complete, clear, and wholly reliable. And they've given us everything we need for this life and for godliness. The divine origin of Scripture is the reason for its power to convert. Have you crossed over from death to life? It's because you've heard the Scriptures that speak of salvation only in Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the Word of God. Because Scripture comes from God Himself, all of it is profitable for salvation, and yet all of it is now going to be profitable for us to live holy and godly lives in ways that please Him. In other words, we should come to the Bible as if we are listening to God talking every day. Because we are hearing Him talk every day as we open up His Word. Jesus shared this view of Scripture. We, we quoted it in Deuteronomy 8.3. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is life. God's Word is life to us. Not only is the Word of God seen as life to us, but it's that bread. It sustains us each day. The wonder of Scripture is that the infinitely great God of the universe has breathed out words to us. J.I. Packer says it like this, concerning the word of God. He says, every time we open the word, God is preaching to us. 
Holy Scripture should be thought of as God preaching. It's good stuff. We are to live and feed on the Word of God in this way as sons and daughters of the King, expecting Him to change us as we read and hear from Him daily as He preaches to us. As He preaches to us. I would love to respond each day like this. Sadly, I don't. John 6, 68, when, when the apostles come to Jesus, His disciples, and He says, are you going to go away too? And what was their response? Where, where else will we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Wouldn't that be awesome if that's our response each day? You wake up, Lord, good morning. What do you have for me today? I don't know if the Lord would go, Shane, do you want to go anywhere else? (laughs) You know, but Lord, where else would I go today? You have the words of eternal life. So as I open up your word, Speak to me, preach to me through your word. Change me, transform me through your word. Secondly, we see this morning that all of Scripture is profitable and useful. Ah, so good. All of Scripture is profitable and useful. Profitable for what? For teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Profitable or useful. We are all interested in profit, right? We want to know that what we do is not a waste of our time or effort. Would you guys agree with that? Let me tell you this. You will never waste your time in opening up the God-breathed Word. It is profitable every time. Useful every time. It's God's Word to us. So what profit should I expect from the Bible? And how should I expect to receive that prophet in reading it for myself and in hearing it explained and expounded? Well, there's wonderful effects that happen in our lives when we are reading God's word. When we are reading God's word. God seeks to transform us and change us from the inside out. And, and it's that the power of his word that will accomplish all of his purposes for our holiness and for his glory. Let me ask you these questions this morning. Does the Bible influence your daily life? Does it change you? Does it change the way you think? Does it does it change the way you think about others? Does it change the way you think about non-believers? Does it change the way you think about believers in Christ's church? Does it affect you? Do you confess sin quicker? Do you see your sin for as God sees it? Do you hate sin more? Do you submit your entire life and mind to the word of God? God's word reveals the way of salvation and it is essential for the tasks of life and ministry. Men who desire to be godly husbands, men of God, Godly dads, grandparents, you name it. God has equipped us. God's word is profitable and useful for every role that God has us in. Moms, grandmas, great-grandmas, wives. God has given us everything we need to teach 
we need to be taught by God in his truth, don't we? We need to put ourselves under godly biblical teaching. And yet, at the same time, God's word calls us to make disciples. You also need to be teaching others. Like, well, what do I teach him? The word. As you put yourself under the word of God and are taught by the word of God, now you are teaching others. That's why even in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's charge to Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Christ's church is a teaching church. We hear the teaching of God's pure and holy word, and we in turn go out and now teach. Disciple. We need to be taught God, God's word and his truth, and yet we are teaching others. Scripture explains that by nature, our, our minds are clouded by, and darkened and hardened by sin. Jesus underlines the same point in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, when he says the light of the body is the eye. But if we have an eye disease, our whole body is in darkness. So what does God do through his word, through salvation, and through us being in his word every day? He helps us to see clearly his world that we are living in. It's his laser beams that remove the spiritual cataracts from our eyes through the Holy Spirit who acts as the spiritual ophthalmologist so we can clearly see things as he sees them. So that we can go through hardship and suffering because we're keeping our eyes fixed and focused on Christ, that He is growing us, that He it's not a mistake that we're going through, the trials that we're going through, we can fully trust Him. We're being taught these things. It's like Psalm 119, 18. It says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Can you imagine saying that every time you open up your word each day? Lord, open my eyes so that I may see wondrous things in your law for me. So the word teaches us. The word reproves us. We're reproved by the word. The word reproof carries with it the atmosphere of of pain being inflicted. A rebuke for errors and mistakes. We are called out in error. And reproof hurts. And being called into question is is never pleasant, is it? The word of God gets under our skin. It probes our failures and brings to the surface our sin. Church, this is a good thing. This is the work of God. This involves the spirit convicting us of sin and bringing our sin to light so we can mortify our sin, which means to put that to death, what is earthly now in us that is not pleasing to the Lord. That's, that's what the Word does. Literally, to kill it and cut it off. Put this note um, in your sermon notes. Ephesians 5 Verses 8 through 13. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 13. You can read that this week. God's word, though, Paul, speaking to the church in Ephesus, he, he calls 
them to bring their sins to light and expose them. That's what God will do with his children to reprove us through his word. He will expose and bring our sin to light so that now he can correct us. He reproves us. It may be painful for a time, but those who are truly God's children and repentant, they see their sin for what it is. They want to flee it and run from it. And God says, I'm going to lead you through that painful time, but I'm going to correct you and I'm going to rebuild your life for what is good. So it corrects us. That's okay. God's word corrects us. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of our sin. That's the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. And here's what the more of the word says. Hebrews 4.13 Our lives are naked and open before the Lord with, with Him whom we have to do, right? Our lives are naked and bare before Him. He is committed committed to the purity and the holiness of his church. Listen to these words from Thomas Cranmer's prayer book called Collect for Purity. He says this, Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love Thee and worthily magnify Thy holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. No wonder we see a stark contrast between false teachers and Timothy and those whom he appointed as godly elders in Christ's church. These men are not only being taught by the word, but they are able to teach others as well, and their lives show it. Their lives show it. And, and godly teachers and godly leaders will be, be willing and, and ready and, and often sit under the word of God to be reproved and rebuked by the word. God, show me in my life where my thoughts are not pleasing to you. Rebuke and reprove me and correct me. That's what the Word of God does. And we'll do well to come to the Word of God in that way as people who are wise. Proverbs 9, 8 through 9 talks about that. The wise man receives rebuke. The wise man receives correction. So what is correction? The word deconstructs us, but it also builds us up. It has more of the, the positive ring to it. If reproof involves the demolition of what is sinful, then correction involves the rebuilding, the straightening out of our lives and the reshaping of them into the image of God, which is, after all, God's purpose for us to make us more like His Son. A good example of correction and a life change in Scripture is in Luke 19. Zacchaeus, you know Zacchaeus? Some of you know the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was, we're not going to go on. <laughs> but you know Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19. He loved money more than people. He deceived others. For his own gain, he was greedy for gain. 
Jesus sees him up in that tree. I'm going to have lunch with you today. I wonder if Jesus in his mind and heart, no doubt, goes, man, I can't wait to see the transformation. I can't wait to see when I rebuke and I correct Zacchaeus what his life will now be. Do you remember? Zacchaeus hearing the words of Jesus, knowing that his sins were forgiven and his life transformed, instead of taking, he began to what? To give a true godly repentance a true godly sorrow over his sin when he was rebuked and corrected is now a transformed life through the gospel of our lord and savior jesus christ lord i took i took i took i took more for my own gain i'm going to give double back why because he was earning some of his salvation no, because that's what the gospel does. The gospel transforms us. And, and those who are under the gospel now, who are now sons and daughters of the king, we go, yeah, Lord, as you rebuke, you reprove, you correct me, you bring my sin to bear, I confess those things, I remember your kindness that leads me to repentance. Now there's a change going on. There's a zeal that you want to get right with the Lord. You want to please him. That was Zacchaeus through the correction of Jesus Christ, his Savior, calling him to repentance and a changed life. That is what correction does. Are you open to correction? How has your life changed as you have heard the word of God and meditated on the word? Maybe a lot of us here this morning could say, yeah, I used to do this. Now look at my life. My hands used to steal. Now I'm working hard with my hands and blessing others. Yeah, these lips, they spoke of horrible things. Now these lips are a blessing because God is at work within me. Do you have that life change? Do you see a change in your life? Have your affections changed? Love for money, Zacchaeus, now love for his maker and creator, God? And a love for people? God seeks to change us, but he does it at that level of our affections. You no longer love the things you used to do in sin. Now you love God and his word. Now you love the things that please him. You, those affections have changed. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God's word is profitable for what? Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The word of God is not only a hospital to heal us, it's also a gym. You go to the gym each morning. I know a lot of you do. We go to the gym when we open up God's word. We are strengthened and equipped for His service. It provides exercises that stretch us and build up our spiritual muscles, thus training and equipping us to serve Christ. Are you going to that gym every day? And guess what Sunday mornings are? A time where we come together and now 
employ the gifts of the Holy Spirit now given to us at that time of salvation to bless one another and build one another up in the church, we're exercising our gifts here. What else are we exercising here as we come together as a body? One, one thing, we, you can't do church alone. Church was not meant to be alone. It's meant to be involved in a body of believers. Why? You and I are going to wrong each other sometimes. You and I are going to rub each other the wrong ways at times. That's where forgiveness comes in. That's why I'm going to forgive because God in Christ Jesus has forgiven me. Do you know the log that I have in my eye before I take out the little speck in yours? It's a large log. We are exercising here as a body together as we open up the Word of God each morning in the spiritual gym. And then when we come here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, wherever God brings us together with the body of Christ, we are growing in godliness. We are being trained. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, you know these well. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, there you go, you got it, okay, fine. I knew what you were going to say to me afterwards. Shane, I go to the gym. Bodily training is of some value. Yes, I'll give that to you. Don't stop there. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself in godliness. And godliness comes through the word of God. We need to be trained by the word. Another way to say this this morning, you and I need to be trained by the word. We need to let the word of God dwell in us richly. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Because when the word of God is dwelling in you and me richly, that's where the transformation's coming. You want to know what it means to walk in the spirit? It's not some mystical experience that you're going to have. It's going to be you opening up the word of God allowing God's word to dwell richly within you and then you now walking in the spirit who transforms you to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Right? That's what it means to walk in the spirit. To be trained by the word. Only then do we become spiritually and morally complete, equipped for every good work. Thirdly, this morning, in your notes, all of Scripture will make the man of God complete. Verse 17 of 2 Timothy 3 says this, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is the purpose of Scripture? That you and I would be made complete, lacking nothing. You and I lack nothing because God has revealed himself through his God-breathed word given to you and to me. Do you believe that this morning, that you and I lack nothing because we have the Word of God in front of us, accessible to us each day? Yet, I think we would say that, but I don't know if we truly believe that. But the man of God, especially here, speaking in context of Timothy as a pastor, as a fellow elder with the other elders there in the church in Ephesus, 
he would be a man of God, complete, equipped for every good work. Which brings us to our last point this morning. All of Scripture, all of Scripture will equip us for every good work. And in a broad sense, this includes everything that God calls a believer to do. God has not called you to do anything that he has not supplied the power for you to do it. Can I? Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? It's the power of God at work. You have everything you need. God has equipped you for every good work that he has called you to walk in. Do you believe that? God has equipped you with everything you need in Scripture that's profitable and useful to endure any hardship and suffering or persecution that He brings into your life. He's given you everything you and I need. Some of you might be holding God's Word and viewing it a little differently this morning as you walk out of church. With a big grin on your face. huge. I have everything I need through my walk and relationship with Jesus Christ as I open up God's word to me. I have everything I need. I'm being trained to be like my teacher, Jesus, my Savior. I'm being trained. Second Peter chapter 1 says this, just as we're closing out our time here this morning. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. He has given us divine power through Christ, the promised Holy Spirit that now lives in us to live a life that's glorifying and pleasing to the one who purchased us by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Everything we need. What has God equipped us for? Everything. Ephesians 2.10, he's already prepared the good works for us to walk in them. I mean, God planned it out. He's perfect in all of his ways. He's so perfect that he gave us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. The only way for you and I to be saved, he gave it as a free gift so no one could boast about it. And then he says, just so you can't boast about your good works in your life either, I've already prepared for them. I've already prepared them for you so that you might walk in obedience to them. Okay, thanks, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And guess what? I've given you all the power to do that. Wow. Yet at times, I think the temptation is for us to try to pull ourselves up from our own bootstraps when we have all the power we need through Scripture. Paul reminding Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, Thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. You and I are not missing anything. When we have God in His Word. In closing, true believers hold fast to the Word of God and our lives are guided and led and directed by the Holy Scriptures. God, what does your Word say about that? Lord, what do you have to say concerning you fill in the blank? Lord, is this good? Is this right? I know your Word may not specifically talk to this exact moment in my life, but I need wisdom. And you say as I come to you and I ask for wisdom, you give beyond reproach. You just continue to lavish your wisdom and grace upon me. So Lord, I'm coming to you. I don't know what to do. I'm coming to you in your word. May that be our testimony more and more and more. Lord, I'm coming to you more often. I'm coming to your word. It is said that even with the access we have to God's word and the Bible and devotionals and translations, we live in a generation that reads the word substantially less than those of 150 and even 25 years ago. Surprising. We have everything at our fingertips, don't we? You even have those things you call tablets. You can have your Bible on those now. You even have a notification ding every morning where on your phone or on this tablet it says read the word please and yet we live in a generation that reads the word less may not may that not be true of rancho baptist church in some countries the bible is a banned book government agents hunt bibles down and confiscate them imagine for a moment with me that this happened to your favorite Bible, and in order to prosecute you, your Bible was handed over to a CSI unit, crime scene investigation for you CSI people out there. You know who you are. You're addicted to those shows. The kind of law enforcement that we see on those TV shows, we st- they take our Bibles. Let me ask you this. Would there be enough recent fingerprint and DNA evidence on your Bible to bring charges against you of being a Christian? For me, it might be a little spit. <laughs> and would there be enough evidence of a transformed life to secure a conviction against you? In a book I'm reading by Sinclair Ferguson called Devotion to God's Church, he asks, how would you describe your church to others? So I started thinking about that. How would I describe our church to others? Good question, right? I thought, are we a biblical church? Yeah? Is the Bible preached here? Yeah. Is it our foundation for all of life and godliness? I hope so. I would call us a biblical church. But for more reason than the Bible being preached from the pulpit on Sundays, which, by the way, is huge these days. Here's why I would say that we are a Bible-believing church. The Bible gets out of the pulpit and it, it gets into your everyday life. And we see it in the congregation. I see it in you guys. I see the Bible lived out in you guys daily. I see it in our conversations. I see it it when we're praying for one another on Sunday mornings. 
We are a Bible-believing church because, yes, the word is spoken. Yes, the word is boldly proclaimed and preached. But it's because it's going and affecting our everyday life, and it's, it's lived out among the congregation. I hope you see that. It changes us. It challenges us. It convicts us. It motivates us and points us to all the resources of God. That's why we are known as a Bible-believing church. We have everything we need in the God-breathed Word given to us. And the purpose of God's Word is not merely educational, but for transformation. Transformation of the people of God. That's what Jesus says in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. God's Word is transformational. Are you being transformed by the Word? Is God's word a firm foundation for you in life and godliness? Is it everything you need? There's a story of a child that didn't want to go to Sunday school. And the parents are like, why don't you want to go anymore? All they talk about is the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. And the parents are like, May this be an indictment that we would gladly receive here at our church. If any kid comes from children's ministry or any person leaves this this sanctuary and says all they do is preach the word, the word, the word, and you and I go, yes! You and I go, yes! Get back to Sunday school. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Let's get, pray with me this morning. Father, your word is so good. Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You transform. You change us from the inside out. You convict. You reprove. You correct. You train us in righteousness, Lord. May we not shy away as we open up your word to what you give to us each time as you preach to us, as you grow us, as you shape us. Lord, may we be a church a Bible-believing church that not only is your word being preached from the pulpit faithfully every Sunday, but your people, Lord, we are opening up your word each day, multiple times throughout the day, and that it is transforming us, Lord. We want to be a a transformed congregation by your God-breathed word spoken to us. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. And may we continue to worship you through song, through the giving of our offering together as a church that we bring before you. And Father, may you be glorified and honored here at Rancho Baptist Church. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.